Please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey. Broad Street Hockey Radio, that's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. We got some coaches, fam. We hey. have a coaching staff, that's right. Big, big news. Things keep happening. Yeah, just keep on out, Charlie. <laughs> Charlie just... Charlie can't get a vacation. Charlie will get his summer vacation eventually. <laughs> he's like coaching summer, or he's teaching summer school right now, basically. Let's get to the intros. Let's lead it off with, uh, yeah, let's go with the fly by yourself, Kelly Hinkle. Oh, it's me. Okay, so one thing, I feel like all of my summer hot takes are going to be just me lecturing Flyers fans, so we're just going to keep that going. That's That's Charlie's job. Well, hello. here's the thing, you guys. Um, Every single time someone who used to be on the Flyers or who used to work for the Flyers or who was somehow involved with the organization achieves any level of success, you don't have to lose your mind over it. You don't have to get mad at it. It's uh, very annoying. Um, because last night after Pat Maroon scored the game-winning goal for the Blues in a very dramatic second overtime, um, Flyers fans decided that it was the Danny Savret trade that yeah. derailed the organization. And no, if only we you. had kept Pat Maroon for a decade, yeah, if only, we too would be in the... If only we'd have, <laughs> if only we'd have Pat Maroon for these last... It, we really could have used those 10 goals this year. Yeah. Those 10 goals would have been the difference. He would have been on the team for a literal decade. <laughs> so here's, here's my thing with, with this whole idea, is that I'm okay with it. Like, all right, here's, here's an example. I'm totally fine with that God, they were dumb type of response when, for example, when, when, when the Flyers traded Luke Shen, traded James Vermeer's right for Luke Shen. Yeah. I, I'm totally cool with, for the entirety of that contract, when he's with the team that you traded him to, you two get mad. That makes sense. But when a guy has been to like three other teams aside from the one you originally traded him to, and actually the Flyers very well could have signed him last offseason. Mm-hmm. He just wanted to go home to where he grew up in St. Louis. There is no reason to get angry that a former Flyer from a decade ago who it's never not, even was on the team did something good. It's not even as if he just wanted to go home. It was like July 2nd or 3rd, and his phone wasn't ringing. He took like a league he, minimum deal. He called. Like it was him yeah. who called the GM yeah. was like, hey, can I come play for also, you guys? I'll take like no money. Also, no money. It's Pat Maroon. The, f- the one I He's found, just a yeah. guy. He's, he, yeah, he's, he got lucky last yeah, night. Nice Good little, for him. Like It's my same thing with Justin Williams. Yes, we can go back and forth on Justin Williams. Justin Williams has been a free agent like three times. Yeah. If we really wanted Justin Williams back, we could have signed him. over the, it. The, the funniest one to me is Rod Brendamore because like, we That's traded it. him two decades ago. <laughs> yeah. It was 1999-2000. Like, yeah, I, we, all loved, we all loved Rod the Bod when he was here, but he is a Carolina Hurricane. We didn't give up on Rod Brendamore. No. Everyone loved Keith Primo. He was the captain of this team. That 04 run was all like, it was but just Bill, one of those things that happens. He would not be 
the coach of this team. No, that's exactly if we what never happened. Traded him. No, if we had never traded him, then he would be the coach and we would be in the Eastern Conference Finals. Look, that's how it works. Peter Morozik and Craig Berube, <laughs> not a single person out there wanted them. Yeah, who cares? No one out there Good wanted them. Good for them. We never, ever at any point were like, you know, we should keep Morozik. Yeah. That's what we should we, do. You and I for about 45 minutes. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> the only people. Yeah. Not when the season ended. <laughs> no. Like when. When uh, when Barubi comes out and goes, Sean Couturier needs to score more. I don't care how much I start him in the D zone. We were all like, all right, yeah, maybe, but uh, you're probably not doing a great job. No one thought he was killing it. Maybe don't play it with our Burger. Yeah. yeah, like that's you know when the best line mate he's had is Matt Reed, and oh, it turns out he was probably just making Matt Reed. Like <laughs> <laughs> it was like he wasn't doing. Uh, <sighs> From the athletic.com, <laughs> Charlie O'Connor. I'm about to do Charlie's point. Yeah, yeah, that, so. that, yeah that was a good lead yeah. in. So, as a follow up on Kelly's point, like I saw people losing their minds last night after the Blues won. I tweeted won. about the vet, but it was a joke. Yeah, after the Blues won, it was Frank Ruby looking like a great coach now. Man, they gave up on him too soon. And the point I'll make there is that it is possible. This is, I know it's an amazing thought, but this it is possible for a coach. To be not that good in his first try as an NHL coach, and then take some time off, have some self-awareness, evaluate where he messed up and where he was good in that first go-around, and get better. It happens. It does happen. It ha- it's been known to occur occasionally. It actually is more prominent than not. Yeah, Most exactly. Most people aren't good the first time they do something. <laughs> no. Amazing. So, like, the fact that the Blues are good, and I actually think Bruby has done a very good job with St. Louis. they school turned, girlfriend? Ouch! <laughs> they've turned into a uh, they've turned into a really good play driving team, and he obviously did a great job turning that team around. That doesn't mean that it's like oh they should have kept Greg Berube. He's such yeah, a like like no, they didn't maybe hire the right guy after him. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that if they would have kept Berube, that this team would have been great. I think Berube needed to go somewhere else and get better, and he's gotten better, and good for him. That's awesome. Good, Listen. good for Berube. Ron Hextall was the problem the whole time. <laughs> the whole time. And that, like, it's becoming clear. <laughs> Craig Berube, listen, I don't think he did a good job here, but I did look at the roster from his, his first, his whole year it here. It was bad. And, like, <laughs> I don't, sucked. Like, he was if bad. we had Joel Quenville, maybe we would have been like, aesthetically better, but <laughs> the team, the results would have not changed. The team is bad. Yeah, the really team bad. was like, Mark Streit was our best defenseman. Yeah. And it's not particularly close. And he, <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just, uh, our mother, Steph Felicia D. Steph Driver. I am not your mother. Your She's SB my Nation's wife, mother. actually. I am nobody's your mother. Your SB Nation NHL's mother. I'm the queen, thank you. Nah. <laughs> um, I've got a couple things. None of them have anything to do with the Flyers. That's perfect. Number one, Charlie O'Connor is turning 30 and joining the old <gasps> club tomorrow. Yes! Charles! Happy, old. happy it, birthday, it Chuck. Yay! I hope you have a full day of going to the gym and riding motorcycles. <laughs> I'm going to eat a lot of seafood. Charlie is a Excellent. motorcycle? <laughs> yeah. He rides a hog. Everybody knows that's awesome. No! <laughs> do you not know about Chuck's hog? He's got a hog. What are we talking about right now? You should hang out in the Slack chat more. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about a motorcycle, not dicks. That I don't own. Okay. <laughs> anyway. This uh, show's getting weird. The second, the I was trying to get Missy Driver to announce it herself, but she is not very chatty. Missy, you want to tell me? No, she's panting. Uh, Missy more. Driver is in remission. <laughs> there is no detectable cancer in her body right now. That doesn't mean that it's gone. It just means they can't detect it. Yay. Uh, that's, that's good. So it is. It's very good for our... Way to go, our, missers. Our only 
blog dog across SB Nation. We have a mascot. We have a mascot. We're the only ones that do. Um, <laughs> in terms of flyer stuff, I don't care. The Flyers are a team. They play a sport <laughs> called hockey. They try. They don't right now. No. So, yeah, and it, that's the thing with me right now. Um, listen, uh, I am, as we all are, happy that Ian LaPerriere is no longer behind the bench in charge of the penalty kill, whatever. Uh, I am not, however, freaking out about Mike Yo and Michelle Terrian. I'm a little bummed that we don't get the rough stuff. Uh, no so are we Lindy. just jumping right into this discussion, or is this your hot take? This My hot take is... Okay. Because just, we should actually discuss yeah, we this. we will. This is, what the hell else <laughs> I'm just, are we going to talk just about? Yeah, no, no, <laughs> don't no, monopolize this no, debate, you my, asshole. My idea here is just... <laughs> gee, can we... Like, I'm not the one to tell anyone to calm down because I'm the one yelling constantly. But the reason we're upset about assistant coaches is not the assistant coaches. It's because we have nothing else to be upset about because the draft and free agency are not here yet. I don't necessarily agree. There's a lot of things that I could find to be upset about. The fact that they're bringing in a bunch of coaches that were like nightmare scenarios it's but something the, to be upset about. Okay, we'll get to that. And that's, you know, like, as far as assistant coaches go, listen, the problem with the Flyers is they don't have enough good players. If they go out and get more good players, they'll be fine. And the evidence of that is, as Charlie pointed out, Craig Berube. Now, Craig Berube may have gone out and improved himself. He may have just really taken a self-evaluation and gone, how did I fail? How can I get better? But chances are... The Blues became good when he took over because Jordan Bennington started playing like a maniac and their very good roster started playing like the very good roster it is. That's probably why Craig Berube is having success. I'm not saying Dave Haxtell, if we went out and got this roster, and if we went out and made the changes I want to make, would be the Jack Adams winner hands down. I am saying they probably win a round or two. Like, if they're a bubble team with no goal, goaltender, chances are with a full season of what we saw out of Carter Hart this second half of the year, they're um, pretty good. So I, I, we're going to talk about the assistant coaches. There are things to delve into. There are reasons to be concerned. But our number one concern is and remains they need to make major upgrades and augment this roster because it's not good enough. Yeah, I think the end. Yeah, the major problem seems to be that People are forgetting that Not we have, end, but semicolon. Yeah, we have an entire off season of things that are going to, like, absolutely, definitely going to happen. There's a zero percent chance that the roster that exists now is the roster opening night. It's not going to happen. So maybe let it play out. So I mean, let, it could be. It very I, well could and be. It is. And I, if it there's is, no chance. I will come on be. here and bash them from top to bottom I mean, nonstop. So here's the thing. We all thought for years that Hextall wasn't going to go into the next season with the same roster that he did the year before, and he always did. We don't have, well, he always did, he his, and got or Dale. got Dale Weiss or Yuri Letero. Like, there's, there's, some, there's some shitty person that was added, um, and then JVR at the end, but at the request of Dave Scott. Uh, We don't have any evidence or any proof other than our gut that Chuck Fletcher isn't going to do the same. I mean, I actually I should disagree with that. I I don't think that there was my my personal opinion. I didn't go into any Hextall offseason with the exception of the last one because Hextall flat out said we're going to do stuff. I didn't go into any offseason thinking Hextall was going to do anything major. I I specifically remember I scheduled my move 
for July 1st, the year they got Dale Weiss, because I was so certain they weren't going to do a thing. So, like, I disagree. I don't. I had no expectation they were going to do anything for the first couple years in the offseason under Hextall. This this offseason, I have an expectation. That's, they're going to do. And, they, and because, I mean, let's be real. Ron Hextall got fired precisely because he never did anything. And one assumes that part of the interview process was, hey, are you going to do some stuff? And, and he we said were, yes. We yeah, were, but they need a partner. Like, if they're going to make trades, he can't yeah. just make it on his yeah. own. Like, and, there's... But, we were also told there will be a bias for action. Like, that was... I'm, How, how'd the trade deadline go? There wasn't anybody that... There wasn't any... Who got and, traded and to be the fair, deadline? They, they did get want. Talbot, who is a pair... Who, it's either him or Elliot that's going to so fill the, the backup goalie thing. So they did do something. It's going to be something. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into these. Let's get into these coaching hires. Uh, first thing I guess we have to get to is the thing we have been screaming about, I don't know, since we've all gotten together, I guess. Yeah. In Le Perriere, somehow still hanging around. However, he will no longer be behind the bench. He's uh, he's going to be up in the press box. He's in charge of the pre-scouting, I guess. What is Anne Le Perriere's role going to be? What do we ex- like? How Official. does it change? Official best bud. I actually don't, I, I don't think you're really wrong. No, I don't think I am either. <laughs> you know, it's it's actually funny. I don't know why. This was, this was stupid. I guess it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things because, like, I know for people who are online, Twitter seems like the most important thing in the world, but in reality, it's a drop in the bucket. But, like, I don't know why they didn't just announce on Monday with the the hirings what everyone's role was going to be yeah. like i don't know why they waited two days because if you would have announced on monday yes ian laparriere is keeping his job but he's not coaching the penalty kill anymore i think it would have probably been maybe not like received with joy but i don't think it would have been the oh my god you're keeping the dude who coached an awful penalty kill for the last five years and keep and assume well you must be keeping him in the same role because he didn't fire him like that was weird to me and i don't think i don't think there's any backstory to it other than they just didn't think they had to which Fine, I guess, but you kind of reap what you sow. Everybody freaked out because they're like, well, you didn't fire Le Perrier. What else is he going to do? In this role, it could work. And I am the foremost anti-Ian Le Perrier coaching yeah. the penalty kill guy. I've been ripping on him for years because I think the penalty kill has been awful. But the one, the two things I've always heard about Le Perrier are this. Number one is that he's beloved by the players, which I 100% believe. And number two is that he's an incredibly hard worker. I believe both of those things. Missy did not like that opinion. No, I'm okay. <laughs> no, and, and, and and here's the thing. If his job is going to be eye in the sky, pre-scout, and also just kind of hanging around on the ice so that when the players get mad at Michelle Therrien for saying something mean to them, they can go talk to Ian, that could work. I don't know like I don't know if it's amazing because like pre-scouting is a part of penalty kill coaching and clearly he wasn't that good at that because the penalty kill was consistently bad for five years. But Maybe take the schemes out of it, and maybe yeah. he could be good at this. Yeah, it's yeah. possible. Tell me what the other team is doing, and let the actual coaches do the coaching yeah. to yeah. fit that. <laughs> and that's right. fine for me. Uh, Michelle Tarian, this was Niche. yeah, this one was uh, surprising to me. Yo, wasn't as surprising, but Tarian, what do we know about Tarian? Oh, I he was like really him. nasty to Danny Briere. I like. Do I like you? a guy who's kind of an asshole. No, this is not kind of an asshole. This is extremely this asshole. This team needs it. I'm sorry. He, this he team blamed, needs an asshole. He I don't blamed disagree. Alex Galchenyuk for his get, getting beaten up by his girlfriend, like domestic violence. He blamed Alex Galchenyuk for being the victim of domestic violence. Oh I mean, okay. Not, not, say, not, not saying that's good, that's but I honestly believe that most people in this sport would have that same reaction. You don't say it out loud. 
and you don't say it to the press. Eh, I don't know. But I think a lot of people in this sport would do that, too. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's neither funny Burke, nor acceptable. Imagine what Brian Burke would say in that situation. Yeah, it's I, I mean, I I find it interesting that they went with two ex-head coaches only because I, I understand that he likes to have one. But especially with Tarion, I feel like he's such a strong personality that I I I wonder how much authority Vigneault is going to like put on these guys. Like I just I'm wondering about the dynamic, I guess, with two guys that used to be head coaches, one of whom is a big asshole. I mean, presumably Vigneault knows that, but uh, yeah, that's what I'm wondering about most. There, there's a couple things I think at play here. Uh, number one, this is something we heard a lot in the aftermath of the Vigneault hire, is that Vigneault likes to delegate. Is that he, you know, he's not a he's not a real in-your-face guy, but he likes to delegate a lot of responsibilities to his assistant coaches, and that's one of the reasons why he always has had at least one former NHL head coach on his staff, because he likes to have people that can, you know, kind of have that authority when they go to the players, so Vino doesn't have to do anything. He sort of lets his veterans police through, and he lets the assistant coaches do a lot of the, the direct conversations. So, knowing that, and then knowing that Kind of what you said, Bill. There, that there's a perception. You know, even even Fletcher said it at the end of the year that there's a, there needs to be a mindset change within this team. That there yeah, are yeah. habits that need to be broken. Hiring two head coaches as your assistants strikes me as kind of like a tacit acknowledgement that we need to get through to these guys, and they think that having a bunch of guys that kind of bring the weight of being head coaches for an extended period of time in this league, that that might be the way to do it. Yeah, I don't disagree that especially the forwards on this team need a little bit of a, a hard ass. And that's Tarion's going to coach the power play and the forwards. Yo is going to be working the PK and the defense. When I saw these hires, my initial thought was, oh, because everyone looks at these guys and goes, these as head coaching hires, this would have been... Disaster. This would have been worst case. Oh, Mike, yeah. Yo, yeah, been really bad. Mike Yo was my absolute worst yeah. case scenario. I, I mean, as, as as not into Mike Yo as I would have been, I would have been even less into Michelle Seriously, Terry. If yeah. I thought he was an actual I just, option, I just didn't think he was an I option. I just know less about. Yeah, I, that's the other thing is I just thought he was less of an option. Yeah, yeah. Than, and I just know less about Terry. And I've, Mike Yo, he's in the news, you know, for throwing a stick and leaving practice and shit. <laughs> but here's the thing uh, about these guys. I mean, who hasn't wanted to do that? Failed, yeah, no, that's. <laughs> Here's the thing about failed head coaches as assistants. How did they originally get their jobs as head coaches? They were probably, and we see this a lot in the NFL, uh, with co- like good coordinators don't always make good head coaches, but that doesn't mean they're not good coordinators. Yeah. We see it with Jim Schwartz with the Eagles. That dude cannot be a head coach. His yeah. teams have zero discipline. You know what he's pretty decent at? Coaching a defense. Like I think we, uh, the offensive coordinator with the Patriots, these are just examples that came to my head. Uh, like, just because you can't do one thing doesn't mean you can't do this specific thing. And when I'm looking at these guys, yes, if they were hired as the head coach, I'd be putting my fist through a wall on this show. But in these roles, and I do think there's something too. listen, I like this core. I do think that if we augment it, they will be better and they can be what I think they're supposed to be. And that's contending for a division title. But there does need to be that little bit of, you know, these guys need a kick in the ass. And it yeah. can't just be um, the Dave Haxtall, 
why am I sitting tonight? And the passive-aggressive kind of nature that we thought was going on with that regime, and it can't just be the buddy-buddy Ian LaPerriere thing, putting your arm around him, hey, here's why you're sitting. Like, I do think there needs to be some level of kicking the ass with this group, um, as much as I think the team just hasn't been good enough roster-wise. The guys who are here need to be better as well. Oh, for sure. And and it's enough already with the slow starts, both to the yeah. season and to games, because I think that we see that they can turn it on when they want to. Mm-hmm. And yeah, exactly. they don't do it often enough, and they don't do it early enough. And if someone, you know, breaking out a whip... <laughs> Missy's snoring. She's fine. She's <laughs> wide awake. Yeah, I know. This is a, this is a great uh, review of our show. <laughs> <laughs> She's awake. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just saying these guys need a kick in the ass. Yeah, I don't. They disagree. need a taskmaster. I, I don't disagree. Um, I'm. I'm. I, I think that there's been a little bit too much coddling. Um, but I, I don't. I don't know. I think that this is a much better role for Lappy. Um, and we'll see about the other guys. I mean, Mike Yo, not a good head coach. Maybe he's fine as an assistant. Yeah, I'm willing that's, to wait that's the and thing see. Is how yeah. did he get that job as a head coach? He probably excelled in his job as an assistant. Well, so his, his that's my guess. His career was because uh, I I went through this for uh, mm-hmm. the, the work I was doing this week. Uh, Yo's career basically was that he came up. He actually came up with um, with with Michelle Terrian. Uh He was, uh, I believe, an assistant in uh, in the Penguins affiliate, their AHL team. And then when Terrian got hired to be the Penguins head coach, Yo came up with him as his assistant. Then when Terrian got fired and Bilesma came in, Yo stuck around. So Yo is an assistant on those Penguins teams in like the late the late two thousands. He parlayed that into a um, into a job head coaching Minnesota's. AHL team, and then he got promoted to coach the Wild from there. Um, whether he was a great assistant coach in Pittsburgh or not, there there are conflicting reports. I actually I, I intend at some point this week to try to talk to a couple of Pittsburgh writers and get an idea of actually what he did because the by the end of his tenure, it seems like he was largely coaching the power play, and that power play wasn't that good the last couple no, years yeah. with Crosby and Malkin, which seems very difficult to do. It was do. one of those things where it's like, how is this group not at 26%? Yeah, exactly. But... Yo is going to be coaching the penalty kill. So that was one thing that, that I found interesting about this is that, you know, when, when this got announced, as I mentioned, they didn't immediately announce the roles. We, we talked yeah. to Vino today. Vino was the one who confirmed what the roles were going to be. But the assumption, understandably, was that Terry is this defensive hard ass. He's going to coach the defense. Yo is more of an offense guy. He coached the power play in Pittsburgh. He's going to coach the forwards and the power play. And you kind of find out it's the reverse. And I'm not saying that's bad. It's just interesting. I think it's interesting. If the Terrian is going to be coaching the power play in the forwards, and Yo is going to be coaching the penalty kill in the defense. And Kelly kind of hinted at it. I do believe, like, I like this better than the alternative because I don't think the defense, like, I think the defense has dealt with guys like Gord Murphy who bench you and get, yeah. you know, and, and do that kind of stuff. I don't really want Shane Gossbear and Travis Sanheim to deal with Michelle Terrian. Yeah. No, I don't no. necessarily think it's a bad thing if Nolan Patrick and Travis Konechny deal with a hard ass. No, and that's and I was just thinking not even personality wise, just coaching style wise. Look at what we have, just say down the middle. Sean Couturier obviously has turned himself into an elite yeah, offensive yeah. No producer. One's, as no well. one's worried about anybody yeah. coaching Sean Couturier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but just looking at what we, playing style wise, he's turned himself into an elite offensive producer, but also, what is he? He's a two way center. Nolan Patrick, two way center. Like, this is what we're looking at down the middle. And look at what we have on defense Ghost, 
Sanheim. Like, kind of a high-flying defense. Yeah. So let's have the offensive guy coach the yeah. defense, and the defensive guy coach the— I kind of like that. I, I, I like the idea behind it. Yeah, the reversal is kind of what makes me want to see how this plays out. And having Vigneault, who we know has coached two different ways. He coached mm-hmm. the Rangers to their strengths, whether you agree or disagree with the way things ended there. All right, we have Lundqvist. We have this deep defensive unit. You can argue about how good they were, but we have these six guys who we're confident in at the time. We're going to lean on them. And when he's you know coaching Vancouver, yo, we've got the Sedins. We're going to do this thing. And it worked out that way. So I'm interested to see how he, uh, how they execute his vision. I'm very interested to see how this goes. Uh, and the type of players they bring in now. Now it's about... Who fits what they're going to do? I think we're going to get more of an idea of what they're looking at, obviously, you know, once the draft gets here, trades, free agency, etc. Yeah, one thing that was interesting to me in the the conversation, the, the conference call we had with, uh, with Vino today, was that basically what Vino said was that he didn't say, he was very clear that this was a joint decision, that, that both him and Fletcher discussed this and both him and Fletcher decided they wanted these guys. But he also hinted that, Terrian was was a guy he wanted, mm-hmm. and Yo was a guy that Fletcher wanted. And mm-hmm. I almost think what maybe what had happened was they were like, "Well, I want you know I want Terrian to be my head coach guy," and Fletcher was like, "Well, I kind of want Mike Yo." And then they were sort of like, "Well, why don't we just hire both of them?" I'm like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Like, that that to me was how I read into how this happened was they both had their guys, and rather than have one person win the argument, well, let's just get both of them. <laughs> and I do like we talked about how we wanted Quenville. Because he's someone on day one who could just put his fist on the table with the three rings and go, okay, in lieu of that, while none of these guys are champions as head coaches, it is a ton of experience to draw on and a ton of experience to draw authority upon. And I do think, again... They need a little bit of that here. So I listen. We'll see. It how, could work. Yeah, this it, it could, could also blow up yeah, in their faces. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I am again. This is one of those things. I'm going to play wait and see. And if uh, like we have another October, the way October's have gone here, I'm going to say all oh, this was nonsense. Yeah, and I they mean, fucked up again. The general the general consensus seems to be that this was a terrible idea and that should not have done it. Like, I mean, amongst like professionals, I think this not could just go Flyers fans. I yeah. think it, I think it's primarily because. What, look, what, here's what it boils down to in the end. If you're going to hire a former head coach, he has former in his title. That means he left somewhere. And he left somewhere because, because he, was he was fired, which means a lot of people think he's awful. And if you're going to hire any of those guys, that contingent that thinks he's yeah. awful is always going to jump back up. The alternative, and really, in, in this day and age, the same... Like, I think I think there's a distinction here, and this is this is kind of an interesting way. It just sort of hit me is that there's a belief in the hockey world, right or wrong, and I'm not I'm not saying this is right, I'm saying this wrong. Just saying there is a belief in the hockey world that hiring someone like Michelle Terry and someone like Mike Yo, someone like Elaine Vino, that that's the safe move. That the safe move is hiring someone who you already know knows how to do the job. You know whether he does it great or bad, you, but you know he can do it. You know he can actually fulfill the the needed duties of the job. That's the safe move. And the risk is to hire someone who hasn't done it before. In the internet world, it's the reverse. 
It's that hiring an unknown is the safe move or, or, or the response is perceived that it's safe because we have no track record to criticize them for. So it's like, well, this might work because I don't know, I, I don't know any reasons why he's bad. And the risk is hiring someone who has failed before because that's the guy who we can nitpick to death. Well, you could have a box that might have a boat in it <laughs> or you could have a boat. <laughs> well, I mean, not saying that Michelle Perry and Mike Yo are boats. They're more like, no. you know, kind of like Bags of sand. <laughs> not great. <laughs> but my, 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 my point is, is that it's just funny, the distinction, because I think that, like, if the Flyers had went and hired some no-name guy, people would have been like, this is great, fresh blood. I have no reason to be angry about this. But because they hired someone who has coached, like, 800 games in the league, it's immediately the worst move in the world because we have a reason to think. We have, we have things to know that he's bad at rather than we know nothing that he's bad at, but we also know nothing that he's good at. Listen, Flyers fans are going to be pissed off no matter what. Seriously. If they hired a no-name guy, it will be Dave Haxtell all over again, and the sky is falling, and this organization has no direction. They don't know what the fuck they're doing. But there is, and again, the -the over-the-top sky is falling is getting to uh, really annoy. As someone who makes a living on being over-the-top, it is getting somewhat annoying from some corners. However, this team is out of, like, they are absolutely out of benefit of the doubt. There is no reason to believe in them. There's absolutely no reason to believe that they're going to do the right thing. I can argue against you because the firing of Dave Hextall and Ron Hextall, I think, is Something that can indicate that they've, you know, noticed that they were doing poorly, decided that they needed a different direction, and then they did it. So we may or may not have Dan Garcello on this show today, guys. <laughs> uh, we don't know. We had an interview set up. Don't know if it's going to happen. We will see. Famous uh, people. But we have some stuff to get to. Before we get to some of Charlie's stuff here with the RFA projections, Scott Gordon, uh, back to the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. Are you surprised? I'm super what, glad uh, about it. Yeah. I'm really happy about it. I think that's a good spot for him. I'm not surprised. I I didn't think it was a definite, but when he wasn't popping up in any rumors for the open NHL jobs, it was just, it makes the most sense for him to go back to a job that he already knows he's good at. Mm -hmm. I, I think he, like... He was very clear after the final game of the year that he had kind of given up on the NHL prior to getting this this interim job, that he was like, I'm happy as a very good AHL coach. I'm cool with that being where I'm going to be. And he said that basically he had such a good time doing this that now he's got the itch back. He wants to be an NHL head coach again if a team will have him. And I think that's that's going to hold. You know, that's why he was so disappointed when he didn't get this job. But I think he realizes that doing really good in Lehigh Valley after doing a pretty decent job as interim head coach with the Flyers, that's the best way for him to stay on the radar yeah. when another option pops open in the NHL. And maybe, you know, he, a GM was impressed with what he saw. and was like, hey, this guy might work. So for him, I think it was a good career move for him to go yeah. back if there was no interest in NHL jobs. I don't know. I don't know what benefit he would have had, especially if he doesn't want to be an NHL assistant, which he kind of hinted he's he views himself as a head coach and head coach yeah, only. Yeah, now at, at least point. he gets to have that role. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I don't know why he would have went elsewhere aside from you know trying to get more money. And I think yeah. at this point his goal is like, let me see if I can try to get an NHL job again. And I think the best way for him to do that, if he wasn't getting one right now, would have been to go back to the team he's comfortable yeah, with. Yeah, no, if, if Toronto or Detroit calls and says, you know, we're going to pay you a big bag of money to be an assistant coach, sure, go for it, dude. But this seems like a good role for him. I thought going back to Lehigh Valley or taking that former Ian LaPerriere, like head of player development or whatever the hell it was, I thought those were kind of the roles I wanted him in mm. because did things go necessarily all that great with him as head coach? No, but... 
he did kind of get did, things going he, he in the right He did some direction. good stuff. Yeah, yeah. I just didn't particularly care for what, you know, the the systems, not even necessarily his systems, but what the players were doing with his systems. But he did undeniably did some good stuff. I mean, he stabilized a, a franchise that was in utter disarray. He would have yeah. made a good official to, best bud. Got them to win games if it wasn't and hockey. got the players excited about playing hockey again. Yeah. And there's value in that. Yeah, for a team that was very much like uh, those last couple of weeks of Dave Haxtell yeah. were, Ooh. my God. Yeah. To, he did very much do a good job there. And that's why I do, I'm looking forward to him coaching the kids more. We're going to mm-hmm. have, we have another wave of kids coming, and I, I want him back in that same role. So I'm looking forward to it. So what do we think? What do we want to get to here? Uh, the RFA stuff, maybe some ice sports stuff. What are we thinking? Yes. So, I mean, we could just briefly mention that the whole reason that we were looking to talk to Dan Carcillo is he did a whole thing on Twitter where he said to Flyers fans, if you want to ask me questions about any of these coaches, ask me because I played for all of them. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I found the most interesting was that because he was very emphatic about Quenville being the best coach that he's ever played for. Sure. But he said that Vigneault was the second best. That was the, I mean, I think there's some value in knowing that an NHL player who was not a super talented guy, who was not a super valuable guy on a team liked playing for a coach. I think that's there's something there, which kind of makes me happy. I like I said, man, I was I was as bummed as anyone when we didn't get Quenville, but you guys have convinced me that, you know, I should get over that because it Maybe. was never happening. No. Um but as I looked more and more into Vigneault, I did kind of talk myself into thinking, yeah, this could definitely work. And it is nice to hear some former players say some and like a guy like Dan Carcillo who a role player. Right. You know, it's not yeah, like yeah, I bet you Duncan Keith has a lot of great things to say about Quenville. You know, they won rings together. But to see a guy like Carcillo, who's played in so many places and played his role in so many places, uh, get to get to that um, opinion of Vigneault, furthering my optimism that he might be pretty good at this. Yeah, but he blew us off, rude. <laughs> well. <laughs> Listen, life gets real busy. I, I have know. no doubt that if we can't get him on the phone today, we'll get him. Before. Yeah, we'll yeah. get him. We'll, we'll have him on like a, a short thing. Special for... episode. It'll be a special yeah, episode. Exactly. I'm not I'm not worried about it. Dan Carcillo he's is got kids and he's, stuff. A fr- he's a friend of the pod. He's a friend yeah. of the yeah. pod. Kelly he's... can checking out the competition this. Yeah, right. yeah, he's <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna talk to us just, yeah. you know, tonight probably didn't work out and that's okay. Maybe he's picking up more pizza for the fam. Yeah. Uh, that he, that's right. He was picking up yeah. pizza last, last time, time he was picking pizza. Yeah, yeah. Like, which is yeah, I appreciate that. You know, Dan, I would also like some pizza, but that's okay. <laughs> Definitely okay. go for some pizza. So it's okay. Are we gonna get a Proverov contract this off season? It's I'm. Should I be scared that it, the two sides are apparently far? Apart? So we're 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 going to get a contract. I I do not envision. Uh, a, yeah, I, I do not envision a scenario game. where like they like he holds out into the season or he threatens to go back to Russia. Like he's he's staying. He's there, and I, the Flyers aren't going to trade him either. I know we we yeah, talk in thought experiments, but like they're keeping Ivan Provorov. Um, is it going to happen soon? That I'm skeptical of. I've I've been hearing that the two sides are pretty much standing their ground, and there's there's a gap, and you know they always you know one of my favorite. Um, uh, Andrew Brandt quotes that he puts on Twitter all the time uh, is basically deadline spur action. And the fact of the matter is, is that I think both sides have a clear idea of what they think Ivan Provorov's value is. And they don't have any incentive to give right now because it's literally the first week of May. And at this point, 
yeah, this this I always thought this was going to drag out through the summer. The only thing that changed my mind was that whole World Championships thing. That was weird to me. I was like, maybe they are going to get this done quick. And Proveroff seemed optimistic at, at exit interviews. I'm like, man, my impression was that this wasn't going to get done until like September. And now you guys think he could possibly play in Worlds? Well, he's not on the roster for Worlds. Yeah. So that that deadline is passed. He's not going. So now it's a matter of, okay, well, who's going to blink? And, I mean, my guess is that, like, I, I did this article series, and I guess it's probably a good time to get into it, um, using the the model that uh, that Evolving Wild, the, the twins on Twitter, definitely a good follow. Uh, they put together a contract predictions model. I sort of used that as a, as a guide and then looked at all of the uh, the comparables of, of defensemen and then for, for Konechny forwards coming out of their, their entry-level contracts, what contracts they got. And what I basically found is that most of the comparable... Most of the comparable defensemen to Proveroff tended to take six-year deals. My guess is that the deal he eventually gets will probably be a six-year deal. Um, and I think what it boils down to is that a lot of the guys who, a lot of the guys who he's most comparable to, they kind of got in that, like, if, looking at what the cap the cap ceiling is now, because you have to adjust for that, they kind of got in that, like, $6 million to $7 million a year average annual value range. But here's the thing. Proveroff played a lot more minutes than those guys. So what I'm guessing is going on here is that basically... The Flyers are looking at it and they're saying, yo, you're pretty comparable to like Dougie Hamilton points wise and production wise. Like, why don't we just build a deal around that? Adjust it for inflation and boom. And Proveroff's like, yo, dude, my, my, my guy played 24 minutes, like pretty much midway through his first season. Yeah. He's getting above seven and you're writing the check. And like, that's kind of what I'm thinking is going on here. I don't like, I don't know for sure, but that's what makes sense to me because I don't think like, I think Proveroff's point is that like, look, I am, you know, you're, you've been using me as the one since I was 18 years old. Pay me, pay me like it. So do you think there's any chance that there's some dispute on term? Because I know that their model is very, like, there's no way that you would bridge a defenseman. But do you think that given that his play the last couple of seasons really hasn't been super great, that they might want to bridge him? I think the only way they bridge him is if they just cannot work out a deal. Mm, okay. I, I think a bridge, for, for a defenseman of his, of his caliber and his usage, I think you only bridge him if it becomes like a Jacob Truba situation, where everybody's just like, they just throw their hands up and they say, Welp. We're not going to get a deal done. He's got to play hockey. Let's yeah. just sign a two-year deal and do this again in a couple seasons. That's how I was going to say. Is there potential for a William Nylander situation? That would be the worst-case scenario, is if it drags into the season. My my gut is that Provorov wants to play hockey yeah. and that he wouldn't, and the Flyers know. Like you Look, you have, you have two sides. You have Provorov is a hockey player. I mean, the guy was literally the day that Elaine Vigneault got hired— when we had the press conference, everybody's typing up their articles in the press room, and there's Ivan Provorov skating. Like, like he's nuts. He's 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 a hockey obsessive, and the fact of the matter is, I can't see him purposely missing games. On the other side of the table, you were just screaming about ten minutes ago that if the Flyers have a bad October, you're literally going to flip this table over. <laughs> yeah. So the yeah. Flyers are incentivized mm-hmm. to not let their best defenseman miss any time whatsoever. So if it gets to that point, I can't imagine. I imagine both sides are motivated enough to not let this last into October, but I think this might take a while. Okay. All right. Um, offer sheets. Is that a possibility? 
a possibility. What for you mean, like, like with, the Flyers with getting Ivan, offer sheeted? Yeah. With, with Provorov getting offer sheeted. I'm on record as saying I don't think offer sheets are going to happen. Never so. again in our I, lifetimes. But <laughs> I, 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 am, I am taking a like I believe it when I oh, see yeah, it. No, it's so. fair. I understand. That, so, so that's my view. My view is that no one's going to get. I'm just sheet. rooting for them so hard. I don't even care if the Flyers. I mean, I want the Flyers to offer sheet somebody because that's fun, and I run a Flyers podcast, but. I'm just rooting for one. I just need someone to do it. There there has to be one. There's so many really good RFAs. Mitch, we have ice cream. Oh, Mitch. We have so much ice cream, <laughs> so Mitch. Ice cream. And, and I will here. personally, personally buy you sprinkles to put in your ice cream soup. Ice cream soup. I... <laughs> I have proposed the idea that melted ice cream is soup so many times. Oh and my you've god! Shot me down. No, shut up. Thank we're not you. doing this. Yeah, we're not doing. We're this. not doing it. I, I understand. Cereal, not it's soup. The, it's the off melted season. Melted ice cream, not soup. But no, I also we're think, not. I doing also this. think a bowl of cereal is soup. Oh my god! I know William. you do, which is why she said no. It's not. It's not. <laughs> Oh God, Missy uh, is Missy's outraged. Outraged. You hear of- you hear that noise coming out of her? <laughs> she's been outraged the entire show. Listen, she's got a lot of things to say. <laughs> she just wants more baconator. Who yeah, among us? I, I, I will say that it would be extremely frustrating if like. I understood human language but could not articulate what I want to say. And I'm just sitting here like, these freaking idiots. How do they not know that Ivan Prorov should sign this deal? I want to tell them, but they don't listen to me. I think she actually was trying to dispute your uh, your assertion that Ivan Provorov is the team's best defenseman when, in fact, it is Travis Sanheim. Maybe. Maybe that is Missy's opinion. Me and Missy are on Where the same see, team. Uh, how do we... How do we see these situations playing out with with Sandheim and Konechny? So Sandheim, Sandheim to me is is the is the really fascinating one because that's the one where I really think it could go either way, and I am like I'm not saying go either. He's all these guys are going to get signed. Yeah, like I'm not concerned but about is he the any one of these that could get bridged because I, we just don't know. I want them to take a leap of faith with Sanheim. Me too. I, th- I, I think this is the chance you can get him on, like, the kind of deal the that... The, not even... So I'm, I'm to go with defenseman, the kind of deal that Nashville had Roman Yossi on for okay, years. Yeah. Where, like, they signed him... Roman Yossi had shown that he was going to be good, but he hadn't quite become what he was going to become yet. Mm-hmm. And Nashville was like, let's just sign him to seven years now. We know he's good. Sign him to seven years now. Let's get it done. And they had an incredibly cheap deal on their books for nearly a decade to me this is their opportunity to do the same thing with Sandheim I hope they try now the the point that I made in my article was that I would be sympathetic if Travis Sandheim basically was just like no no I want a bridge deal because in two years I'm going to be awesome I'm going to be this team's number and, one defense. and you're going to have to pay me a lot more yeah. than what your payment so I would not blame Sandheim if Sandheim is, is the guy who says yo you know I know you guys want to, you know, want a long-term deal. I want the bridge. I'm betting on myself. At the same time, I mean, if you offer him between thirty and thirty-five million dollars a year in guaranteed money, like it takes guts to turn that down. We see, and because we see so often guys take these deals, and we all look at each other like, yeah. That's that's what you took. Like I just see you as worth more than that. But when you put the guaranteed money yeah. in, listen, yeah. man, I get, like I have a certain value that I think of myself at. But if someone were to write me a check for something, I go, 
Yep. <laughs> I, I, I very much, I'm very sympathetic to that idea. When, when you have the money in front of you, how do you not put your name on it's it? It's tough. And, and not only that, sports, and, you know, they hate moving, so yeah. my shit's already oh, here, no. and I don't have to think about... Getting a fucking U-Haul is apparently the hardest thing in the world. Hi- hiring someone to do all that for you is apparently impossible. <laughs> Listen, you just moved. You know it's a nightmare. But it it, is. Like, They're rich. And I don't even you hire her. someone to do it this for you. But you're so much very nicer. True. Think about when you moved, Steph. Like, they broke your every every desk. single Every single surface in the house, they broke it. Yeah. Well, I would hope think that about a professional athlete a, would be able to pay for better movers. Think about when you have fair. a pinball machine or three. Like, you're worried about that. I bet, Trav- like, I bet Travis Anheim has a pinball machine. Those would machine. be my first purchases. <laughs> like, I already, I already have he, the pinball machines picked out that I want when I make it rich. Who does he live with? Doesn't he live with Konechny? <laughs> But he lives know. with Konechny? I think so. That would be I hilarious. It's, I think it's the Travi. Oh, man, that'd be awesome. I think it's the oh, Travi living like, together. You know Aren't they the ones that didn't have pots, no and pots, pots and pans? No pots and pans. <laughs> it's awesome. They're cooking with their hands. And we imagine Travis Konechny cooking pasta by putting it in his hands and running hot water <laughs> over <laughs> But But going back to, uh, to kind of what you were saying about the guaranteed money, the risk that you take if he were to go bridge, like... Injury, what if this is what well, he is? Not even and that. Injury. Injuries happen. Like the, a guy who I was thinking about you know, watching the St. Louis series, Robbie Fabry. Like, oh, Robbie Fabry had that yeah. great rookie year. and every, I mean, I love watching Robbie Fabry. I was like, man, this, this kid is going to be really good. And then he got hurt. And then he got hurt again. And now he's hitting restrictive free agency as a fourth liner. Yeah. Like he's not going to make anything. But what team does he play St. for? St. Louis. The, the what? The Blues. The St. Louis Braden Shens? The Braden Shens. Okay. Oh, <laughs> okay. The St. Louis Braden Shens yeah, that are the, going to the Western the Conference best, Final. He's the third best former flyer on that team. <laughs> How many other former flyers are over there? Their coach and Pat Maroon. Greg. Oh. Pat, Pat Maroon. Maroon. <laughs> we're going to say Braden Shens better than Pat Maroon. Wonderful. Yeah. We're, uh, so, well, yeah, we're doing Remember that. all of you <laughs> called him Fat Balloon when he was here? <laughs> <laughs> you Fucking didn't want him. Player. Come oh, on. But he was getting chirped in the playoffs by, was it Patty Kane? <laughs> yeah. Oh, we got to get you home in time for the roller hockey championship, eh? <laughs> Oh, Pat, you're American. Why do you? You're a hockey player. This is how they all. But yeah, it's it's a risk. It's a risk you take not taking that long term deal because injuries happen and injuries can change the entire trajectory of a career. So if I'm the Flyers, I am very much trying to lock Travis Sanheim up to a long term deal. That being said, there's a lot of precedent for bridge deals for guys like Sanheim. So you you could see a two three year deal, especially if. If they're really gearing up to spend a lot of money this summer, like there's the possibility that they're just trying to save as much cash space mm-hmm. as possible. And having Travis Sanheim on a three and a half million dollar AAV versus a five, I mean, maybe that matters. To me, getting him on a cheap, uh, not not even a cheap deal, but getting him on a reasonably priced long term deal is the smart long term yeah, play. Absolutely. But it's not a real possibility they go bridge. I would say it's almost a fi- it's almost fifty fifty. So. <sighs> This is, I, Moving on to Konechny, yeah, he's the guy I want them to bridge. I yeah. I agree. Yeah, yeah, because I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I, either, I don't yeah. know what he is. I don't yet. know. Yeah, he might be. I mean, but there's also the risk that you bridge him and he turns into a Jake Voracek. That's the big risk. I mean, and then you know a what? risk, a <laughs> risk that what? works out a terrible, really, problem. really if we well. To, if we have to overpay him three years from now, such is life. Yeah, the cap will be higher. Who you know knows what? what'll yeah. happen? There's like, going to be a lockout. We're going to lose some guys. Yeah. You know, it's it's. I, I it guess the way it is. I guess what Andrew McDonald will be the head coach. Like, <laughs> oh god, you're really you're really riding this train, aren't you? He's going to be the head coach of this fucking team, and you if all Craig know it. If Craig Berube can be a head coach, <laughs> Andrew McDonald. Andrew McDonald is our Doug Peterson. I'm telling you. Right. If he gets, I'm telling you. If he gets bought out, do you think he gets another contract? 
Yes. I see us. Yes, I think somebody signs him. Oh, no. At, at the see, NHL level? Yes. Yeah. What I see happening. He's a fine six. We trade Andrew McDonald. He's old, though. We're going to Brooks We're gonna Brooks or pick him. Oh, we're going to trade him with a pick somewhere. He's going to get bought out by that team, and we're going to re-sign him for like 1-5. What is wrong with you? <laughs> so much stuff. I, I, like, I have a lot you of have questions. I no idea how much time I have on my hands to just sit at home and dream up these scenarios. Why are you not writing words for BroadStreetHockey.com if I, you've got all this time? I've lost it. I've lost my ability to write. Oh I, I've seen like the your... Bain, like the Bane accent. Yeah, it's it's gone. <laughs> I had Beautiful. it at one point when I was a uh, when I was a sophomore in college. I thought I was as good of a writer as Hunter Thompson, and now I'm I'm not better than Missy. So um, I... Missy is incredibly talented <laughs> in everything she does. Thank you. So I he... dream up these scenarios so I have something to fill time on this show, Steph. It's the off season. We just talked about <laughs> Mike Yo. Do you want to talk about Oak Island? Caller or... makes a good point. <laughs> <laughs> So, all right, here's Charlie the, is bringing us back on track, and yeah. we keep cutting him off. Here's the <laughs> question I'm going to ask about Travis Connecting. I'm going to pose this to the group. Let's okay. So, you're, let's say you go the bridge deal route. You sign him to a two year bridge deal. You say, all right, we'll we'll talk in two years. We'll see what you are then. Realistically speaking, what do we think Connectney could plausibly produce? I'm talking points. Like his best season in the next two years, because I'm going to throw this out years. there. Like, like what would be what do you plausibly think is his possible ceiling as a best season over the next two seasons? Because I'll throw this out there: there's no real clear path for him to get to power play one. Yeah, and he's and as long as Jake Voracek is on this team, he will be behind Jake Voracek on the depth chart. So my question is like, how does he have his big breakout in the next two years? Like, like how does it happen? And I'm not, I'm not talking, like, if, if you think his breakout is 60 points, and that would be awesome, if you think his max is 60 points, I think you have to bridge him. Because even if he gets to 60 points, he's still not going to make bank on his next deal. Now, if you think he can get to 80 or 90, then yeah. Then you then you talk about a long-term deal. But I don't know if I see a path of him getting there, with just from a usage standpoint. When yeah, you asked the question, the number that popped into my head was 65. Which I think is reasonable. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a that's... reasonable explanation. I don't know if that gets him bank. That's rookie year, 11 goals, 28 points. Second season, 24-47. Last year, 24-49. So we're kind of, yeah, without the power play one usage, we're kind of looking at you're a 50-point player if you get to 65. And that's, like, it's, for him to break out, it has to be some other guys break out too. Like, if power yeah, play yeah. two, or, headed by Nolan Patrick, becomes a thing. Exactly. Like, exactly. then, okay, we're moving in the right direction. Or, and this is the other alternative that obviously you can't predict, like, game two of the year, Jake Voracek breaks his leg and is out for the season. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, okay, well, now Travis Connected, you're getting first line minutes, you're getting 18 minutes tonight, and you're on power play one. Like, that's how it could happen. But if, if people stay healthy and the roles stay the same, like, I don't know what Travis Connected's ceiling is the or next few years. Giroux, Couturier, Voracek becomes Colorado's first line. That's or Coutu, Giroux, Couturier, Konechny, excuse yeah. me, Fair. becomes Colorado's first line. I mean, they line. were That's very the only, good when they played together. They absolutely were. Uh, they that, Very much so. I just, yeah, to break that, to break 60 at this point, like, okay, yeah, he's going to need something else beyond yeah. the pretty good what we've seen. Like, is he the world's best middle six forward or is he a legit first liner you know, we're playing him on the first line because Sometimes. who the hell else? But he's not know. even, yeah, he plays on the first line, but even but when he plays, getting he's, not getting, he's not getting yeah. the minutes. He's still yeah. getting less minutes yeah. than a Jake Voracek. He's still getting, you know, I think he averaged about 15 minutes a night last year, 
which is fine, but it's not yeah, 15, 16. Yeah, it's, it's not 14, top line minutes. It's not even that. close to top line minutes. My no. thing with him is that, that that I worry that he is always going to be a product of who he's playing with. And if he's not playing with super talented players, he's not going to get the points. Like, I don't see him as a guy that drives a line. I kind of object to that line of thinking, not necessarily with Travis Konechny, but just in general. Uh, because it's a team sport. Like everybody yeah. is playing off each other no, in some in some way. The when but the second part that you don't think he's ever going to be a guy that drives a line. I completely agree with. Um, but every you know you, that's why we've got metrics for full lines. Like yeah. someone is making other players better on every single line in the yeah. NHL, and someone is making their line mates worse on every single line in the NHL. And outside of a Jake Voracek-type player, I don't look for my wingers to be that guy. Yeah. I kind of, like, I. that's why that's I'm fair. so adamant that they need another center and that Nolan Patrick has to really improve because those are the guys that are supposed to drive lines. That's the skill set I'm looking for in my center. And... At, like, no. Is he the guy? Is Konechny going to be that number one guy on the line? No. But you also need someone to put the puck in the net and do the things that Konechny does. And Fair. they only have so many guys yeah. capable of scoring 24 like he does without any power play time. Yeah, but exactly. I mean, yeah, like, I'm not saying that I don't like Travis Konechny as a oh, player. No, 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 I'm, no, I'm, no, I'm talking about yeah. paying him because mm-hmm. let's say, for example, this team goes out and gets another center maybe goes crazy and gets another winger. And all of a sudden, we have a top six that doesn't include Travis Konechny. And now he's on the third line with players that aren't that talented. Awesome. It, it's, it's awesome for it's the Flyers. Good. Yeah. It's good, but I don't see him, if he's playing with a lesser talented group of players, I don't see him even scoring 24. But in that scenario, yeah, maybe. Yeah, like, So I don't want to pay him. In that yeah, scenario, is what I'm that, saying. That, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. yeah. In, in that scenario, it's great for the Flyers because that's we we're really looking at then. Yeah. JVR, Patrick, Konechny is your right. third line. That's but, great. Yeah, in terms of what we're paying all these guys, we're already paying JVR the seven mil yeah. to be, you're going to score in the power play, you're going to get your goals and not really be a whole lot else. Yeah, so I'm super cool with Travis Konechny being the most talented forward on our third line on a bridge deal. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Just I, not I, a I'm, long-term, yeah. The, yeah. Well, one interesting, I guess, set of things I was thinking about today with regards to Konechny is thinking about the coaches because one thing that I did I was pondering after they hired Vino is that you know Konechny does seem like the kind of guy who could fit really well with what Vino likes to do especially if he carries a lot of the, the Rangers concepts over to Philly because he loved having those guys you know the Grabners the Haglins the fast guys who could kind of cherry pick a little bit and then blast down for breakaway goals so there is the possibility that, like Connecting could just be a great fit with Vino and just rack up the points. By the same token, there's also a possibility that like he might not like love playing for Michelle Terry. I was thinking the same so, thing. Like he seems like <laughs> a jokester and a fun guy and I'm assuming that Michelle Terry doesn't allow a lot of joking. He doesn't seem like a jokester. Jokey McJokerson. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I always look I don't at, think he's ever laughed in his life. I always fair. think that coaches... He did not Oh, Michelle Terry and yeah. I I was thinking Vigneault did not really appreciate gritty. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it's, I always he's look stupid. at coaches like that as if you produce you get a leash and if you don't guess what? There's not going to be much laughter. Yeah. And that's uh, all right. We got a couple of minutes left. Yay. Let's get to the playoffs. The yoffs. Sharks, please. 
A bag we of had, sharks. We had a double OT game seven last night. We have another game seven tonight between the Sharks and Avs. These are my two favorite teams left. So kind of like that uh, Winnipeg Nashville series last year. It's like, all right, one of my two favorites will be moving on to the Western Conference final. Um, uh, most people will be listening after this game ends, but how, who do we like? Who do we like tonight? Sharks or Avs? Because I, I, I can't believe the Avs have done this much. I watched them all year. I liked them, but I didn't think they were this good. I know that. I, yeah. yeah, I know that. Like smart people say that momentum is not a thing that exists, but I feel like the Avs have it right now, and I worry that the Sharks might not get there. But I really want them to. That's, I just go ahead, Steph. I think it would be cool if the Sharks won. I think it'd be fine if the Avs won. I don't really I've never really cared about what happened out west this season once the the glitters were eliminated. I just want Jumbo to get Yeah, up. that's at the end of the yeah. day Jumbo's the best story left to me. Like remember that gif of him just like dejected after they lost yeah. a game 7 a few years ago where he just looks like his whole life is flashing before his eyes. I don't want to see that again. They get to the final a couple years ago and lose to the Penguins. Yeah. Like, and the idea of, I'm obviously, I think everyone in this room rooting for the Hurricanes in the East at this point. Oh, oh my yeah. God, yes. yes. I mean, uh, I, yeah. As, all of my behaviors. The Bruins, sure. Yeah, uh, yes, absolutely. The Bruins are, one, Boston, two, just the best heels in hockey. Oh, my um, God, seriously. My God, the... Jumbo versus the Bruins. It would be great. Fun. It, it, That's it, a it fun would one. it would be great. No, I'm, but only if he won. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm very <laughs> yeah, much obviously. I'm very much rooting for the Sharks. I almost I almost think that Colorado is going to win because I'm rooting for the Sharks. <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> and, Charlie, get over yourself. Charlie's <laughs> so important. And, and the, the world Charlie's just the needs numbers to. Guy. Well, it's just it, it's just like I actually wanted the Blues to win, so I can't. I, I can't possibly have a, a Western Conference Final of two teams that I like. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no mm-hmm. way the fates will allow that to happen. Mm-hmm. That's, That's somehow through all of this, I did pick my West. If the Sharks win, I did actually pick the Western Conference Final. Did you really? My East is nonsense. Well, well that's actually something I was gonna bring up on Iceport, but I, I don't think we're gonna do it this week. Is that you know, as as weird as the first round was, like if the Sharks win this series, this isn't that crazy of a Final Four. No, like like they're, they're just they're small market teams. Well, Boston isn't, except for Boston. And I guess I mean San Jose, like the Bay Area is a big market. It's just they don't. Love Not a hockey. big hockey market, yeah, but like and it is a big market. Some other team playing pretty darn out there good. that gets a lot of their. Yeah, I guess attention. If, the, if the Warriors got upset, then people might turn to the Sharks. Maybe that's but, what I thought was working in the Sixers' favor was all the weight of the Toronto market was going to be on the Raptors, and they were going <laughs> to crumble under that after the Leafs went down. But if, I don't think that that's they're still the case. talking about the Leafs. Yeah. If San Jose does win, three out of the four teams will technically be in the South, right? If what if who beats San, if San Jose wins, we've got San Jose, Raleigh, and well, St. Louis. I mean, I wouldn't consider San Jose, San Jose to be in the, the South because it's NorCal. I mean, it's California. I, I, had, but I actually, like, I've got yeah. a map up. It's pretty, it's pretty <laughs> high. It's up. pretty way. It's pretty north. I wouldn't right. consider St. Louis the South either. They're like a Midwest, Midwest. team. Yeah, yeah, I consider everything. But I, I, I think there's a better the case South. for the okay, Blues fine. being a Southern team than a. This is Stephanie Sharks. not knowing geography, <laughs> but it's not as bad as Bill not. Knowing the difference between Sweden and Finland. That came up on the air last night. I didn't know the difference between Sweden and Finland on the Big Daddy Grand. Really? God bless. That's amazing. It was, it was, I, cause I said, I just think of them as the same thing. And apparently, when you tell people from Sweden or Finland, yeah, they get the same really, thing. I've yeah. been telling they, you this it's for like years. A rivalry. Great offense to it. Yeah, yeah I know. I Literally know. for years, I've been saying this to you. I understand it. I'm just telling you, I'm a xenophobic American, and I think Sweden and Finland are the same I thing. I mean, it would be like saying, it'd be like if somebody from the Midwest, you were like, oh, I'm from 
from Pennsylvania, I'm from New Jersey, it was like, ah, they're the same thing. Yeah, we would it. lose and, our and, minds. Yeah, when you're it. from Delaware, that literally happens. <laughs> you might as well be from either Pennsylvania or New Jersey. Listen, Delaware, San Jose, St. Louis, Raleigh are all south of the only place that matters, and that's obviously Toronto. Ah, okay, okay, I see where you're Toronto going. Suck is, it, bitches. It is is Boston not south of Toronto? It is, well played. They're all Shut south. They're, They're, all south. <laughs> They're all south. Yeah. I've got it in front of me. I, I actually don't know. It might, Hold be, on. It might, it be, might be like straight across. Yeah. It might be straight Hold across. Hold on. I don't really, Ontario yeah. dips down a bit. It is. Boston Toronto. is south of Toronto. There okay. we go. I don't, uh, geography. I think the thing, the thing that annoys me about the Avs this year, and I know you love them, is that and it was kind of what annoyed me. They're not the, good. It kind of what annoyed me about the stars too is that like the reason why both those teams sucked is that their depth was awful. Yeah. And in the playoffs, hasn't matter. Their depth, no, it, they're, it's not even that. Is the, the depth has actually been good? Yeah. Like JT Comfer? Comfer? Really? Who even is that? Really? Yeah. He played Sounds well. Fake. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, Jimothy Timothy, which tickles me to death every time I like, see. Rupe Hints? Who are yeah. these people? No, I'm like, this guy's the fucking. I know who rope. they are, but. <laughs> <laughs> but but seriously, like they spent the entire year playing like garbage, and then in the playoffs, like, oh wait, we, we're actually good. We're gonna start playing awesome now. Like I could live with that it really if it was just done. those top lines, but it's like like those teams depth they were playing well for most of these playoffs. Like where did you come from? Where were you in eighty two game season? Yeah, that, it's yeah. I, Again, I'm I'm changing topics just for the last minute here. Yeah. I, I told my boss who is headquartered out of the New York office that the running gag is that the Rangers play in a train station. Yeah, I yeah. told him that the other day, and he started crying. He was laughing. <laughs> oh my god, that's hard. amazing. They do. They just, they play in a train they, they station. Do. I mean, they do. It's, it's not inaccurate. Bill's funny. People forget yeah. that. Yeah. All right, guys. Hey, is all. his name Rope? <laughs> Rope. <laughs> that is all the time we have for you on PSH Radio. Thank you so much for hanging out. Thank you for listening. Uh, hey, happy hit, birthday, Chuck. Yeah, happy Yay! birthday to uh, the guy who Thanks, keeps guys. us somewhat level-headed from time to time, uh, Charlie O'Connor. My name is Bill Matz. For Chuck, for Steph, for Kelly. Have a great week, everybody.